love, the truth. We're in love with your word because your words bring life. Your words bring confidence. Your words bring hope for this world, this life that we're in, the circumstances we find ourselves. It doesn't matter what the storm, it doesn't matter what fire, it doesn't matter what turmoil, it doesn't matter the circumstance that we find ourselves in, we can hope in the Lord. We can find strength because those who wait on the Lord, those who have learned the skill of being still, will find strength. Actually have our strength renewed. We'll be prepared to soar on wings like eagles. And when the time comes to get up and walk and get up to run again, we will walk and not be weary. We will run and we will not faint because we have waited upon you, God. We have sought your face in the still quiet moments and we've learned that. And we've learned that we can trust if we open ourselves to your word and just let your word speak to us. And that's what we're gonna do right now, Lord. And I just pray. Uh, actually, I just invite you on behalf of the whole congregation into our homes, into our hearts, to speak to us and to minister to us and to challenge us and to change us today by your powerful word. We wait on that, Lord. We wait on you, and we're going to be still and let you speak to us today for just the next few minutes. And I ask that you will use your word powerfully to have it go out and do exactly what you wanted to do to with, with surgical precision to work right into our hearts and minds to bring about the change that you want to bring to every single one of us today. We entrust this to you, this time to you. Give me boldness to speak Give me courage to speak and a confidence that you're speaking through me by your spirit. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Um, it's a great day. In fact, Mother's Day is an awesome day, an awesome chance that we have to express our love and express our appreciation to the women that are the dearest to us in our lives. And so um, I would encourage you today, I would encourage you today to spend some time and, and carve out time to express your love, not only to your mother, uh, but to the significant woman in your life because, and here's what I wanna lean into today, because this expression of love and this expression of appreciation, not just in the things that we do, but in our verbal expression is so needed and so necessary, um, actually, expressive love, which is the title of the sermon today, the expressive love is a vital part of unity in every family unit, in unity in your family unit. It's a vital part of the church family. And frankly, expressive love is a vital part of a healthy human culture which I believe is becoming a lost art in the world that we live in today. This thing of expressive love. 
Um, division and isolation seems to be um, the normal today. It's becoming our normal. And <laughs> I'm a little nervous about saying this and, and going here with you on this because it's Mother's Day and it's, everything's supposed to be happy and pink on Mother's Day. I'm not even wearing pink this year. Um, I got away with that. But I believe that there is a satanic attack. The scripture tells us that there is a satanic attack on the kingdom of Jesus Christ and our Father God. There is, a, there is a satanic attack on the church of Jesus Christ. There's a satanic attack on human existence and human civilization. Because the Bible tells us that Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy all that is good all that is God, and God is all about unity. God is all about coming together. God is all about family. God is all about expression of love and the grace that we were singing about today. And Satan has come in to try to get in between that and to divide it and to steal that from all of us. And I believe he's at the root of everything that's happening right now. We can call it a sickness. We can call it a pandemic. We can call it um, an accident. Or we can call it something on purpose. Some of you call it a conspiracy. I don't know what it is except this. Satan is roaming about like a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he's trying to divide everything in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And frankly, as you can tell, I'm starting to get a little ticked off about it. Because he is doing it, and he's being successful in driving wedges and causing division and bringing isolation to people when just the opposite is so necessary and so needed. And I want to talk about that because... I believe every woman, every woman, not just mothers, okay, we're not just talking to moms today. We are talking to moms today, but we're not just talking about moms. Every woman needs to hear love expressed. Am I right, ladies? This, this means yes, and this, am I right? Am I right? Every woman has a deep needed desire to have love expressed to her in multiple ways. In fact, turn to the, whoever you're sitting with right now, just nod your head to them. Just get their attention and say, yes, he's right, he's right. Now, I will say this. I want to bring a disclaimer to the rest of the sermon, okay? <laughs> um, because I am not an expert at women's emotions. In fact, I'm kind of a doofus when it comes to understanding the emotions of a woman, and I have been convicted like crazy this week in, a, in the thing I'm going to bring to you today, and uh, I've actually had to do a lot of soul searching because I'm not good at this, and I'm not an expert at the heart of a woman. And so I'm going places today that maybe angels fear to tread. I don't know what I'm going to do here, but this is what the Lord has laid on my heart to bring to you today and sometimes I shake my head and say, Lord, no, I don't want to bring that. But he tells me, you're going to bring this. This is the message that I want the ladies of my church to hear today. So um, this actually came to me during our um, emotional and relational rehab series. And I wrote this, I, these ideas down and said, I'm going to use this on Mother's Day. And so here we go. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Song of Solomon. 
And you might be thinking, Song of Solomon? Seriously, Phil? Because it's a love letter? You're going to do that? Yes, we are. We're going to go there. So take your Bibles with me and go to Song of Solomon. If you're unfamiliar with your Bible, go to the book of Psalms and go to your right, okay? And you'll get there in a couple of chapters. But go to the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 1. And this book captures love. It's a love book, okay? And it, chapters, it captures the love being expressed between a bride and her groom. And the first part of the collection of these love notes gives us a unique glimpse, I believe, and I'm going to show you this, into the heart of a woman and the unique desire and the unique need that every woman, I believe, but especially this woman here, has to have love expressed to her. And so I want to open it up, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5. Let's go there, okay? And this is how this woman opens up. And I just, it's interesting to me what we see and what this tells us about her. And remember, this is the bride speaking out right here. This is the love note, love letters between a bride and her groom. And this is how she starts out I am dark, but beautiful. O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kedar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. Now let me ask you, what is this woman focused on as she begins her love expression here, as she begins confessing her love to her new groom? What is she focused on? Is her mind on her finest qualities here or her self-perceived negative qualities. Look at it again. I am dark but beautiful. In fact, some of your translations might say, I am very dark but lovely. Obviously, my friends, she is focused on her looks. But I want you to take notice and look at the next four words. Who? Is she crying out to here? She is not crying out to her lover yet. She's crying out to what the scriptures is showing us, O women of Jerusalem. I am dark but beautiful, O women of Jerusalem. Interesting. Here is a woman who is self-conscious of how she looks among the women of Jerusalem. I wonder why. I mean, has she been ridiculed by them or made fun of by them? Has she been looked down by the women in Jerusalem? She actually cries out to them and says, I'm dark but beautiful, and here's here's what I'm like. Here's what I look like, and here's what she she uses, some undesirable comparisons. She, She says, I am dark as the tents of Kedar, dark as the curtains of Solomon. Now, In the Bedouin community, which is what she was a part of, she was a shepherd culture, she was part of that, their tents would be made from black goat skins. Not what you would consider to be something of beauty. In fact, no woman I know would be excited to have somebody say, wow, you look like a tent made of black goat skins. I'm I'm not sure any woman, am am I right? And I'm not sure any woman would take that as a compliment And she's pointing this out. This is how she sees herself. And she thinks 
that everybody is staring at her dark skin like that is all that people see in her. In fact, she goes on to say, don't stare at me because I'm dark. It's the sun's fault that I am dark. Now, I want to point this out, too, that dark skin was not desired in this culture like it is in ours. In fact, in our culture, dark skin is a sign, this, it's desirable. In fact, if you have nice, dark, tan skin, you look healthier and you look good. That's what we think. And it's a sign of comfort and it's a sign of luxury and it's a sign of southern vacations. You know, that you go away, you go to Florida, you go someplace and you come back and they're like, oh, obviously you were on vacation. That is what it is a sign of in our culture, but it was just the opposite in this culture that this woman is writing in. She's not having a racial discussion here, like my skin is dark because that's my race. That's not what it is about here. She is actually highlighting a socioeconomic line of the day. In her society, the darker your skin, the farther down the socioeconomic chain that you are. In their culture, those with darker skin that had been kissed by the sun were not tanned because they had a membership at the local tanning bed or because they had spent the summer laying by the Mediterranean Sea. It was because they found themselves in the middle of shepherding flocks and shepherding goats and camels, and these were the people that were laboring out in the fields, and that's why her skin was dark. This was this woman's place in society. And for those reasons, she was self-conscious about it, and it comes out as she begins expressing herself to her groom. That's interesting because as she begins to express herself, these are the things that were on her mind. Her self-consciousness comes from how she thinks others think of her because of her dark skin, how she looks on the outside, and she's concerned that people are seeing that and not seeing her for who she is on the inside. And I have asked myself the question as I've been working on this, how many women wrestle with what this woman wrestles with? Every woman? I, maybe. I don't know. How many of you, ladies, that are hearing my voice right now and watching this, how many of you wrestle with what this woman is wrestling with, her outward appearance. I, I, I tend to think it's a big deal because if you, you don't have to watch much on television or on any of your social platforms because everything's popping up how you can look better, how you can look better, how you can look better. So obviously it's a big deal in our society. In fact, how often... All of us now, not just the women, how often do we fixate on the one thing, the one thing, like this woman, her dark skin, the one thing that we choose to use to define us? Or we fixate on the one thing that others have chosen to use to define us, and they have made that verbal to us? Or how many times do we fixate on the one thing that we think or perceive others are seeing us as and therefore using to define us. Things like our past. I'm not talking about past mistakes or anything right now. I'm just talking about our past. Like what family did you grow up in? 
What town did you grow up in? What part of the country did you grow up in? What part of the world did you grow up in? Sometimes we feel like that is the thing that defines us. Some of us might think the thing that defines us is the pit that we crawled out of. How about our weight and how we are perceived when we look in the mirror, but also how we think we're perceived by the way people look at us on the outside and they're judging who we are by the way that we look on the outside. I think that's a big deal. How about our scars that we have? I, I, some of us have physical scars but many of us are carrying around emotional scars and spiritual scars that we're carrying around all the time and we think that that's the only thing that people are fixated on when they see us. That's all they can see. Oh, if I didn't have this scar, they, wouldn't, they would see me differently. They would treat me differently. They would consider me a different kind of person. And that's what we think everybody's looking at and staring at. Many times our failures present those scars that people we think people are fixated on and people are looking at. I, I could go on and on, right? I mean, there are all kinds of things. Can I just give, hey guys, I want you to listen to me, the men, the men, the, and, and the young men who are listening. Here's a life hint. The things that the women in our lives, our moms, our sisters, our, our wives, our daughters, our friends, our sisters in Christ, the things that they are the most sensitive about are not the things that we are supposed to be expressive about and fixated on and magnifying when we're dealing with the significant women in our life because they have had enough of that in their own hearts and enough of that in the world around them. They do not need that from us. They need something quite different from us. Look at verse six again of, of Song of Solomon 1. Look at her, she, she's crying out. Remember, she's crying out to the women of Jerusalem and she's crying out. She said, don't stare at me because of my dark skin. The sun has darkened my skin and there's some kind of shame in all of that with her. She does not want them to stare at that but, and there may be some regret in that but it doesn't stop there. Look at the second part of the verse. This is very interesting because it goes beyond her tanned skin. In verse six, she says, my brothers were angry with me. Some of your translations are accurately put this, my mother's sons. So there's some kind of break in their family unit. There's some kind of um, stepbrothers going on here. And she says, my mother's sons or my brothers were angry with me. And listen to what she says. They forced me to care for their vineyards so that I couldn't care for myself and she says that she calls herself my own vineyard. Hmm. This is a very sensitive subject that I'm going to jump on here now and, and talk about. We don't know exactly what she is referring to when she talks about, don't stare at me because my skin is tan, the sun has darkened me, and my brothers forced me to take care of their vineyards. It may be a literal statement. It might just be a literal statement and she's saying, my brothers made me get out there in the hot sun and take care of their vineyards. 
So that is why my skin looks like this. I've been working really hard and they're making me do their work and therefore I can't take care of my body the way I should and stay out of the sun. But there are many commentators and many writers who believe that she could be speaking metaphorically. There's a lot of metaphor that goes on in this passage, in this book. Some think that she may be speaking of abuse here. And she's having to deal with the emotional shame of what had been done to her that has kept her from being able to take care of her own body like she's supposed to, her own vineyard. And they came in and they abused that. And they misused me. And they forced me to take care of their vineyard. And as a result, I have not been able to take care of mine. And she's carrying the heavy weight and, and shame of that. But the interesting thing is that women who are victims of this kind of thing tend to carry around guilt as though somehow they should have been able to stop it or they should have... I'm not sure what she's... She's carrying around something very heavy. This, remember, this is her love letter. This is, she's, ex, she's expressing her love to her new groom. And this is how she begins. She's opening her heart to the pain of how she thinks about herself, but how she thinks others, the women of Jerusalem in particular, think about her. And I don't know, we don't know for sure, but she seems to be crying out, hey, ladies of Jerusalem, don't just see me with eyes that can only see my outward appearance. There's, there's more to me than that. Don't just see me on the scars of my past experiences and the place in this world that I have been, that I find myself in. There is so much more to me than that. And I believe there are women, significant women in our lives that are crying out like this woman is crying out to those that she loves and you're crying out and saying, there is so much more to me than what you see on the outside. There is so much more to me than what my past has dictated. There is so much more to me and my life than what you are interpreting it to be. And their desire is that those significant men in their lives especially will see that, but that everybody, the women of Jerusalem, would actually see that. Listen to me, the women... And this is not just for men, this is for all of us. The women in our lives, the significant women in our lives need to know that we see them for a whole lot more than what is on the outside. Listen to this, let me ask you this. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just judge you, that God doesn't just acknowledge, that God doesn't, doesn't just praise and that his approval isn't just based on what he sees on the outside of you. Aren't you glad for that? I am. Aren't you glad that God sees past all of what people can see on the outside, what we look like, how we act, how we acted yesterday, how we're acting out today, and how we're gonna act out tomorrow. I'm so glad that God sees beyond that and sees, the scripture says, he sees into our hearts. And that's scary. <laughs> it's scary that God sees every thought and intent of your heart and he totally gets you but at the same time he totally gets you and I know that most of us 
who claim the name of Jesus Christ and who possess the Holy Spirit, we so want to be everything God wants us to be, right, on the inside. But we're failing on the outside. Aren't you glad that God is patient and long-suffering and loving and gracious with you? I am. I'm so glad he is with me. I just want you to know that this woman in the scripture here is crying out to the whole world. There is so much more to me than what you just see. Please see that. You know, there's an old saying that it popped into my head as I was working on this. The old saying goes like this. Beauty is only skin deep. It's true. In fact, the scripture tells us that our outer beauty is fading and it won't last. Proverbs 31.30 says this, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. What is the most important part of you? It is, it is, the th- it is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your relationship with God your Father. Because the charm and the beauty that comes on the outside is, is, is going to go away. And we need to be focused on the inner qualities and the inner character of the women in our lives. We need to reward that kind of woman for who she is. The woman who fears the Lord is to be greatly praised. Not the most beautiful woman of all outside. It's the most, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's the most beautiful woman on the inside. The woman who praises and gives her life to the Lord. Because the hard facts are these. Sooner or later, gravity is going to have its way with all of us. Unfortunately, for some of us, it's happening sooner than later. You know the old joke, you know, we're all going to get furniture disease, that our chest is going to eventually drop into our drawers. Well, that's what is going to happen to every single one of us. We will all eventually wrinkle up and become shorter, hunched over human beings so there had better be a whole lot more. There better, there better be something much deeper about our beauty than what you see hanging out on the outside of every one of us, right? How many women uh, listening to my voice right now, like the woman here in the Song of Solomon, are desperate to hear love and acceptance expressed not for what they look like on the outside, but for who they are on the inside, and it must be expressed. It's, it's, it's so desperately needed to come from the significant men in their lives. Can I just talk to you husbands right now? Our wives are lying in bed at night, or they're sipping coffee mid-morning while you're at work, or they're on their mid-morning break at work, and they are daydreaming and longing to hear us say those sincere words that are full, that are pregnant with meaning and fulfillment that can only come from their husbands. Words like, I love you, and I am in total approval of you, and I treasure you, and I cherish you. I remember being challenged to do this once on a wilderness trip, and we were challenged to go home and 
take a deep breath and sit down in a quiet place with our wives and ask them this question. Do you feel cherished by me? And so I came home and I sucked it up and I sat down with Robin and I asked her that question and she burst into tears. She even said to me later, she goes, I don't even know why I bursted out into tears. It just made me cry. Well, it probably made her cry because she doesn't feel cherished by me and I needed... I had some work to do. Our wives and the significant women in our lives need to hear from us. It's not about your skin. I don't care if your skin is dark. You're beautiful to me. That's not what matters. It's the inside that matters. One author wrote this, and we need to express it, by the way. This is the title of the message is Expressive Love. One, one author wrote this, worse than the loneliness of prolonged singleness, deeper than the pain of losing your spouse or your marriage, is the wound of a spouse who is physically present but emotionally absent and communicated through their silence, you don't matter. And I gotta tell you, okay, I just wanna take a little tiny break and say this isn't just a female need, how many faithful, hardworking men that are struggling daily to be the men that God wants them to be, to be the men that their families are counting on them to be, but they're dragging around the significant women in their lives who are always focused on the negative, always nagging about the things that they aren't in this life instead of focusing on and seeing all the things that they are. But I'll save that for Father's Day. Can I just look, go with me to Proverbs 3, 27? Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. In other words, you need to lean into this message today and you need to go after this thing and get it done and get it done today. If you can help your neighbor now, verse 28, don't say, Come back tomorrow, then I'll help you. The message for us today is be expressive in your love and get after it today. Do it today. Say it today. Today is a great day to do that. Don't hold back that which they need in abundance. Don't make the mistake of waiting until it's convenient. Say it now. Do it today. And make it loud. Let all the women of Jerusalem hear from your mouth all the love and approval and acceptance expressed to those that you love because you don't know if you have tomorrow. And they need to know that you want all the women of Jerusalem, all the women of the world to know how much they mean to you. We had this cool thing, and I don't know exactly all that was happening, but we had an online like contest this week and we have like five different winners these are people that have been nominated as like the most wonderful mom on the planet or the most wonderful friend or these all are people have like um, 
they'd gone online and said, this is what this person means to me, and I want you to hear the words that they used. Different notes that came in to express the love and appreciation they have for the significant women in their lives as they nominated them for woman of the day. One person wrote, you radiate. By the way, I'm getting ready to do this, okay? Men, take some notes because we... We stink at this, okay? So take some notes right now. Listen to these. You radiate from your love for God's word and your relationship with Jesus. This love filters into your role as a devoted wife, a loving and nurturing mother, a faithful friend, a loyal niece, a dependable daughter and sister. You are capital J-O-Y. You are joy. Another person wrote, you are a true modern-day Proverbs 31 woman. You have genuinely loved, listened, discerned, and responded. You have the heart of a warrior servant. I love that. You go, I'm going to use that. I'm going to go home and tell Robin, you have the heart of a warrior servant. Hopefully Robin was taking a break right there and she didn't hear that. You, You go about the work laid before you as though it were, you know what? Let me, let me just stop right here. You could take some of these types of things and actually practice by just going to your wife and say, can I just read something that, makes, that, that expresses my, if you have a hard time expressing, use somebody else's words. You go about with the work laid before you as though it were for our Lord himself. These things I have both witnessed and have been a recipient in your service to others. I like this one. You humbly model a life surrendered to Jesus, a heart willing to serve, and a faithfulness in prayer. I love you so much, and I want you to have all the chocolate. That's how they wrote that. And lastly, you were always there for me. When I finally gave my life to Christ a few years back, you walked along beside me, You show joy in the Lord every day, and you are a beautiful example of a godly woman. There's some good stuff right there. Some of us need to wake up and come out of our self-absorbed, self-induced emotional comas and start saying and doing and expressing love to those who are the dearest to us, like these have done. Some have said marriages keep quiet before they get cold. We need to follow the example of these lovers here in this passage who start going back and forth and verbally expressing their love and desire and acceptance and approval and the exchange is awesome and I'm just gonna get you started. I want you to read some of this this week, okay? But look at verse eight in Song of Solomon chapter one. I want you to hear the words of the groom in response to her words written to the women of Jerusalem, okay? Here's how the groom responds. If you don't know, and I'm paraphrasing, by the way, if you don't know, my love, then let me tell you, you are more beautiful than all women. Now, let me just stop and say, if you say that to your wife, I'm backing myself into a corner here. Is it true that this woman is the most beautiful woman on the planet? Probably not physically, but to him. How important is it that the significant women in our lives think that we think about them, that you are, 
If you don't know, babe, you are the most beautiful woman on the planet. Obviously, you're wrestling with this. You have nothing to worry about. Don't worry about those women in Jerusalem. You're way above them. In fact, your cheeks are beautiful. I don't see them as having a problem being tan. And, and, and when you wear earrings, those just set your face on fire. Your neck, all by itself, is lovely. I, I've never told Robin that. I should maybe, babe, I ought to try that sometime. Your neck is beautiful. I, somebody said your neck all by itself is lovely and is only enhanced by the jewels that you put on it. That's so awesome expression. And, and so he's saying to her, don't you know how special you are to me? And guys, listen to me. Those words light her up. And you could go on and read, and it sends her into an R-rated expression of her love that I can't go into right now. And back and forth they go, and I just want you to know this is how love grows in a relationship. And I'm not just talking about married couples here. This passage is talking about married couples. But this concept of expressive love goes far beyond marriage. The most damaging thing in all the world the most dividing thing in all the world is a critical, negative, judgmental spirit that flows from an insensitive, self-centered, superficial, arrogant heart that is focused only on the outward appearance of someone and holds back genuine, expressive, loving words. And you might say, yeah, Bill, it's too late for us. That is a lie from the pit of hell itself. Satan wants you to believe it's too late. I can't start over. I can't do anything about this. I am what I am, and that's just the way she's going to have to deal with it. That's a lie. And you need to repent of that, and you need to change. I need to change. I read this this week, this quote. Do the things that love did, and you will again feel the things that love felt. It's not too late for you. Jesus understood this firsthand. In fact, he rebukes the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, which is interesting that Jesus understands what it is to have somebody stop doing the things that they did at first when they first fell in love with him. He says, I have this against you. He's talking to the, if the church at Ephesus. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Some of your translations say, you've lost your first love. So what's the remedy for that? Here's the remedy. He gives them the remedy. He tells you, this is how you deal with it. Verse five, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. Do the things that love did, and you will again feel the things that love feel. What he says to them is, I got a problem with you. Do you remember what it was like? When you fell in love with me and how awesome it was and the relationship was so special, and you couldn't wait to spend time with me, and I got a problem with you because you've walked away from that. I want you to remember what it used to be like, and then I want you to repent of the fact that you have stopped doing those things. And then I want you to return and start doing them again. That's how you fix a relationship that has been broken for an extended period of time or for a short period of time. Remember how it was when you first fell in love 
And repent of the fact that you've stopped doing those things and return and start doing them again. Do the things that love did and you will again feel the things that love felt. Turn back. Go back to the things that you were doing that made her really fall in love with you and see if it does for her what it used to do and see what it does for your relationship. Men, wouldn't it be great if your wife could walk into any room in any size crowd, no matter who was there, and instead of her confidence sinking in the presence of some other confident, light-skinned Jerusalem babe because she's not confident in the love and admiration of the only one who matters most in her life, and that is you. Wouldn't it be awesome if instead she could hold her head up in confidence in the confidence of your love and the confidence of your acceptance and your approval and hold her head high and say, hey, ladies, I am my beloved's and he is mine and my husband loves and approves and respects me and is in love with me above all of the rest of you in this room. I am so confident of that because he tells me all the time. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be awesome if we all had wives and significant women in our lives who because of the expressions of our love and acceptance can walk around with that kind of confidence? You might say, is this a marriage conference, Phil, or is this Mother's Day? It's, yeah, it's both. I'm really passionate about this. But I just want you to know it works in marriage, but it works in all of our relationships. In fact, we have some moms today that are starving for this kind of affection from their children. You proved me wrong. Can we just agree, especially we men, that we need to learn how to do a better job at verbally expressing our love and approval to each other? I'm gonna do this today. I, I, I told Robin, because I told you I've been really convicted about this, and I told her, I said, can you just give me a break and not make fun of me and not mock me when I start practicing this? <laughs> because, you know, if this is, ladies, here, here's a hint in, into the hearts of some guys. Sometimes we feel like if we start, it's gonna sound cheesy, or we, and we don't really know how to do it, or we're borrowing words from somebody else, and we're afraid that our spouses or the significant women in our lives are gonna look at us and roll their eyes and, like, go, what was that? That would crush us. That would crush me. Okay, so give us a break and let us practice. I'm going to do this. I'm going to call my mom today. And I'm going to verbally express my love and devotion and appreciation. And my mom's 87 years old. My mom does not look today like she did when she was 15. But that doesn't affect how I feel about her, the beauty of who she is. And I'm going to call her and express that. I'm going to express it to my wife and express it to my daughter. I'm going to express it to my, to my daughters-in-law. I, mean, I, I want to express this to the significant women in our life because it is so needed. But I want you to hear this as we wrap this up. The words that we use, and this is so important, are, are, they're vitally important, but they've got to match the actions. 
See, the words that we use to express our love are like the icing on the cake. Now, Robin and I have an issue with, you know that my, I have a love for carrot cake, okay? But we have an issue when we want to go out because we're getting older and we got to like start sharing meals and start sharing desserts, right? I, I don't want to share a dessert. I want to eat the whole thing by myself. But we sh- if we share a piece of, of carrot cake, we have a fundamental problem because she loves cream cheese. Like she loves cheesecake. I don't like cheesecake. I'm not that big of a fond uh, a fan of cheese, cream cheese icing. Like, but you put that on a carrot cake. And I want the cake. I'm there for the carrot cake with a little bit of icing. Robin is there for the icing, not the carrot cake. Do you get what I'm saying here? And so we're always in this thing like, no, there's too much icing on it. Well, I want to use that as an illustration to illustrate the fact that our words are supposed to be just the icing on the cake. You get what I'm saying? Our our actions and the way that we live every day is the cake. And our words are just the icing on the cake. It's not supposed to be the cake complimenting the ice cream or the the icing. The icing is complimenting the cake, but the cake is completely incomplete without the icing. Look at verse 15, and I bring it to a close with this. He responds to his lover, behold, you are beautiful, my love. And then he repeats himself. Like, is he a stutterer or does, is he doing something different? Because he repeats himself. He says, behold, you are beautiful. If you did a study in the original language, the second you is emphasizing her inner beauty. It's not just your hair. It's not just your looks. It's, it's not your body. It's you. The essence of you, the total package of you. I, that's what I see. I see you. And beloved, you are beautiful. Try that one on today. In fact, try it on your mom. Go, go tell your mom this. Let her know with your words that you see her inner beauty and her outer beauty and you love her for who she is. And just watch what it does to your relationship. In this passage in Song of Solomon, we hear the cry of an insecure woman. We hear the cry of her heart to be loved and honored, respected and praised for who she is and not just what she looks like. And I leave you with this passage out of Proverbs 31, 28. This kind of woman that we're talking about, her children stand and bless her. These are expressive words. And her husband praises her. These are expressive words. And here's what they say. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world. But you, my dear, surpass them all. What great words the significant women in our lives need to hear today as we express our love to them. Use your words. Express your love. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Make it a priority. Let's pray together. Our Father, first of all, I just want to say thank you 
that we don't find our significance in any other than the love and acceptance of our Father in heaven through the sacrifice of his Son, Jesus Christ. There are those in our midst that are listening right now that, that really can't even point. There are some women that can't even really point to significant men in their lives that would bring this desperately needed message of approval and love to them. And my heart breaks for them. And if that's you and I'm speaking to you right now, I just want you to hear that we love you. But more than anything else, Jesus loves you. And you're a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he, thank God, he doesn't look on the outside. He looks on what's on the inside. And all we have to do, all you have to do, sister, is just give your heart to Jesus. There are many that might be listening that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and your life is completely upside down and a mess. I want to tell you that it can be completely turned around today if you will just give your heart to Jesus and you'll repent of your sin and you'll fall in love with Jesus. I promise he will fall in love with you. He is already in love with you. So much so that he gave his life and died for your sins so that you can have salvation and you can, breathe, you can find that salvation today in Jesus Christ. And he will minister to your heart in ways you've never experienced before. Would you help us, Father, because we're weak humans, especially the men. Would you help us to learn how to become masters at expressing our love the way, following the example of you, Lord Jesus, who expressed your ultimate love to us when you gave your life for us and continue to serve us. Thank you for your love. I pray that you'll strengthen my brothers and sisters in you this week. Provide their every need and bless them in Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. I want to invite you to uh, really listen this week. We're, we're going to be coming out with some pretty um, significant announcements about the future of our gathering, the future of what things are going to look like. They're going to be rolling out probably midweek, so they're going to be coming out with announcements on all of our platforms through email. Um, we might even send out some snail mail reminders. Just We want everybody to communicate at every level we can to you what the future is going to look like. We've got some significant changes coming our way. So keep your ears open, and until we meet next time, um, God bless you. And we love you with all of our hearts, and so does the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. 
We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.